This is the Mutual Audio Drama Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. The following audio drama is a production of 63 Audio and the Narada Radio Company, a proud member of the all-new Mutual Audio Network. Taken from the pages of magazines your grandfather used to hide from your grandmother, this is Potpourri Theater, starring the Narada Radio Company. This is a tale of suspense, a blood curdler, if you will. This is our first outing into the world of the macabre, and high time, too, I must say. Tonight's story is called Monster of His Making and was penned by Henry Treat Sperry. It appeared in the April 1938 issue of Dime Mystery Magazine. We must warn you now that tonight's presentation has somewhat mature overtones and depictions of violence and listener discretion is advised. To quote the great radio dramatist Arch Obler, creator of the long-running Lights Out series, If you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. If you've been with us for our earlier episodes of Pulpourri Theater, you'll know that we are doing our best to bring you a wide variety of stories for your listening pleasure. So far, we've presented dramas from the science fiction, crime, and western genres, entered the realm of the supernatural, and told you a tale of the average Joe. In episodes to come, we hope to bring you such fields as war stories, romance, sports, the jungle, and the untamed frontier. But let's get started on our story for tonight. Dr. James Kellen is a world-renowned physician and surgeon. He is the head of his own private hospital and is sought out for consultation on many strange cases, for he has made it his life's work to cure all who come before him. Naturally, he has not been successful 100% of the time, but his limited failures have yielded tremendous leaps in medical research. We join Dr. Kellen as he prepares for surgery on a case unlike any other in his storied career, and one in which, had he but known the consequences in advance, he would have gladly welcomed failure. Listen now to Monster of His Making. Dr. Kellen, the boy is prepared for surgery. Thank you, Dr. Eccles. Please remind me of the particulars. It has been a very long day. A cardiac case, wasn't it? Yes, doctor. Here's his card. I'll read it to you. Carlos Del Cayo, age 9, clinic patient, last six months. Primary diagnosis, aneurysm. 
Doctors McPhee and Haggard saw the patient on the following visit and postulated an auricular leak from a feeble diastolic murmur. They note, not precisely characteristic, and all other symptoms of the syndrome are lacking. Request Dr. Kellen to... Yes, yes, I remember now, Ronnie. A most puzzling and interesting case. Do you know, I still haven't the foggiest idea of what's wrong with the boy. He's an orphan, was sent here complaining of chest pains, but there's something decidedly wrong here, something very strange, which is why I'm opening him up tonight. If I told you what I suspect, you'd think me mad. <laughs> oh, don't look at me that way, Ronnie. Please go see if the anesthetist is ready, then bring the boy in. Yes, doctor. Hello, Carlos. Don't be afraid. You're going to have a little rest, and when you waken, you're going to be just fine. Go ahead with the gas. He's out, Doctor. We're ready. Scalpel. Scalpel. Get the rib spreader in there. Ugh! Now back away, nurse. Let me take a look. <gasps> Dr. Kelland! Oh, my God! He doesn't have a... Get out! All of you, get out! What? But, doctor... I... 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 Do as I say. Leave me alone with the patient. Go, now! It's impossible. It's against nature. But it's true. The vagus nerve is shriveled to nothing, yet it functions. This vena cava seems to be taking the place of the right oracle. Then the coronary artery here is doing the work of the ventricles. It's unbelievable, but it must be true. Carlos, what sort of creature are you, my lad? What manner of being will you become when you grow into manhood? You who have no heart. Dr. Carl Cardell's office. No, I'm sorry, Dr. Cardell is in consultation right now and cannot be disturbed. Thank you. Dr. Carl Cardell's office. No, I'm sorry, Dr. Cardell is in consultation right now and cannot be disturbed. Thank you. Dr. Carl Cardell's office. No, I'm sorry, Dr. Cardell is in consultation right now and cannot be disturbed. Thank you. Mr. Kellogg, Dr. Cardell will see you now. Yes, thank you, nurse. Right through this door, sir. This is the doctor's private office. Good morning, Mr. Kellogg. (laughs) Or should I say, Dr. Kelland? It's been a long time, hasn't it? Yes, Carlos. My name is Carl Cardell, doctor. The little boy, Carlos Del Cayo, on whom you operated 25 years ago, is no more. I had my name legally changed, as you know. But perhaps you have decided to capitalize on your knowledge of my past, hmm? Maybe you have thought of a way to fill the coffers that your incompetence as a surgeon have emptied. That's just like you, Carlos. You would think that. 
What do you want, Kelland? I'm a busy man. I need to sit down. I'm here about Helen, Carlos. You've read about her accident? Helen? What accident? About a month ago. She went off the road just below Peekskill. She got a few bruises and a bad shake-up, but nothing serious. Or so we thought. Then, ten days ago, she began limping. The x-rays showed a fractured patella. (sighs) We've had our differences, Carlos. But surely you're fair-minded enough to admit that whatever I did to you, I had great provocation. After all, I nurtured you after you were brought to the hospital. I raised you, guided you, recognized your gifts, helped you to become the successful, skilled surgeon you are today. Only you can help Helen, Carlos. Only you can give her back the use of her leg. Save her from the tortured life of a cripple. Carlos! Save your breath, Kelland. I wouldn't lift a hand to save your precious daughter if she were dying. You're listening to the Narada Radio Company's Polpourri Theater presentation of Henry Treat Sperry's thrilling tale, Monster of His Making. We'll be back with Act Two of our play in just a moment. Pulp Parade Theater is brought to you in part by the Maximum Manufacturing Corporation, makers of all kinds of stuff, out of just about everything, and... Hello friends, this is Glenn Hardpointer at the Nareda Radio Company, and it is my pleasure to tell you about our sponsor, Snatchum Instant Waffles. Kids, have you ever wanted to prepare fresh made from scratch waffles at home just like they may or may not serve in your favorite local chain or 24-hour roadside restaurant introducing instant waffles from snatchum that's right instant waffles rip open the box and just add milk then add your favorite ingredients like flour eggs baking soda you can even add vegetable oil Just like the real recipes, your mother, social worker, or other legal guardian probably has gathering dust on the bookshelf. It's so easy, children can make homemade waffles instantly in as little as 30 minutes. Plus, kids can even make waffles themselves with proper adult supervision. It even eliminates the need to buy one of those messy waffle irons if you already own a waffle iron. Plus. Snatchum Instant Waffles are so healthy, they can even promote weight loss when used in combination with proper diet and exercise. Just look for the various colored labels in the baking, dairy, and other fine isles in your local grocery or other type store. Snatchum! Fight for a snatchum.
Welcome back to Monster of His Making, tonight's installment of Pulpery Theater, starring the Narada Radio Company. When we left off, Dr. James Kellen, a failed surgeon, was face to face with his greatest achievement and his secret sin, Carlos Del Cayo, born without a heart but still alive, and now known as world-renowned surgeon Dr. Carl Cardell. Kellen's daughter, Helen, is suffering from injuries sustained in an automobile accident, and Cardell has just indicated that he has no interest in repairing the young woman's damaged leg. Kellen does his best to fight his anger, clenching his hands against the arms of his chair until the fingers turn white. But why should he feel such rage against the man before him? He was not a man, really, was he? An intelligent beast, perhaps, but not a man. A man would have both a soul and a heart. He felt again the great regret that he, Dr. James Kellen, had felt so many times over the past quarter century. Regret that he had not plunged his scalpel into the chest of that small boy without a heart. It takes Dr. Kellen several moments to gain mastery over his emotions, but he is at last able to command a tone almost as icy as Cardell's earlier aloofness. Of course I expected this sort of response from you, Carlos. You cannot forget how Helen was repulsed by your advances, how she detests you even now, how she rebuffed you, as if you were an ape, thank God. But naturally, I didn't come to you without weapons. You asked a while ago if I had come to capitalize on my knowledge of your past. I have decided to, yes, Carlos, but I do not ask for money. I ask for my daughter's happiness. That is the price of my continued silence. Silence for the crimes you have committed as unemotionally as an animal might. I have kept my mouth shut against murder, against your cruelties, against your sadistic acts. Even Helen herself does not know the truth, although she suspected something was wrong with you, didn't she? I would have denounced you years ago had I not been obsessed with making you the greatest surgeon in history. I have condoned your crimes, Carlos, in the name of that obsession. And now it is time for you to repay me. A cracked patella is hardly beyond the skill of the average surgeon. It is a bad fracture. You know as well as I that it is one spot where the slightest error results in permanent stiffening of the joint. By God, Del Cayo, you are going to do this thing, or you are going to the electric chair. The mangled bodies of two girls, now buried in Pottersfield, will rise up at my bidding and blast you to hell. Don't forget that! I'm not asking you to save Helen from becoming a cripple. I'm commanding you to do it. And God help you if you're not successful. Very well, Doctor. It is imperative that I be at my lodge in the Poconos early tomorrow morning. I am trying out some new elaborations of Dr. Bayer's method of treating marrow infections in my laboratory up there. If you don't object to driving Helen up sometime in the early afternoon... That will be fine. Until tomorrow afternoon, then, Dr. Kelland, and kindly give Helen my best regards.
Father, how much farther is it? Just a short way, my dear. Are you in much pain? No, Father. The cast on my leg is just a little uncomfortable, stretched across the back seat like this. This road is pretty bumpy. We'll be there in no time, dear. I can't thank you enough for agreeing to be treated by Dr. Cardell. Well, I was a hard sell, don't forget that. We argued for hours last night. It's only because I feel he's the one man who can restore your leg. He truly is a skilled surgeon, Helen. Even if he is a completely contemptible excuse for a man. I swear, Father, if Helen, dear, please. Let's not go into all that again. You'll only make yourself more uncomfortable. Spend the next few minutes until we arrive at Cardell's cabin in quiet contemplation. Just look out the window. All that beautiful foliage, isn't it? <laughs> all right, all right. Mother, I'll behave myself. That's better. And here we are. It really is a gorgeous piece of real estate. Yes, Doctor, bring Helen in here. Set her down on the operating table. Helen, my dear, in spite of your injuries, you look even more ravishing than when last I saw you. Yes, well, you always knew how to sweep a girl off her feet, Carl. And here I am, off my feet and on your table. What happens next? Let us proceed. Dr. Kelland, please remove Helen's cast while I prepare the ether. Helen, please lie back and relax. That's done. Should I administer the ether, Carlos? No, I shall do that. Breathe deeply, Helen. Breathe deeply. That's right. Deep breaths. Relax. Let your chest rise and fall. Yes, that's lovely. The rise and fall of your... What was that, Carlos? Your daughter is out cold, Doctor. Are you ready, Carlos? I am very much ready, Doctor. What? What are you... The mask! The ether! No, not me! Not... You're listening to the Narada Radio Company's Paul Parit Theater presentation of Henry Treat Sperry's thrilling tale, Monster of His Making. We'll be back with Act 3 of our play in just a moment. Hello, friends. This is Phil Boyd Studge, one of the members of the Narada Radio Company, and I'm back again today to tell you about the latest crazy bargain from Crazy Crambone's Discount Warehouse in Sandusky, Ohio. Well, Crazy Crambone's gone right off his nut this time, bringing you a deal that you'd be insane not to take advantage of. Approximately 25 cases of genuine Kleindock brand vegetable cocktail juice. 
Most of us grew up with those entertaining TV commercials for Kleindock vegetable cocktail juice and their familiar jingle, Don't get a shock, don't get a noose, it's Kleindock's vegetable cocktail juice. Well, of course, Kleindock's went out of business several decades ago, so just imagine how much nostalgic fun you can have with approximately 25 cases of this world-famous beverage. Um, each carton contains 12 large cans of juice, with, uh, what looks like a quart size, but I can't tell for sure because um, the labels have all come off. <laughs> so I guess I can't say for sure that the cans actually contain the famous Kleindock vegetable cocktail juice, but at least the cartons say Kleindock in large friendly letters on each side, so that's almost a guarantee right there. Is the can opener here? Where's the can just for fun, friends, I'm going to open a can just to see what's inside. And there. Oh, oh, Lord. Oh, the smell. Get it out of here. Oh, God. <coughs> uh, uh, friends, we've experienced a slight technical malfunction here at Crazy Crambone's Discount Warehouse, so we're going to return you right now to our studio. Tommy, Tommy, no, don't. Tommy, don't drink that stuff. Welcome back to Monster of His Making, tonight's installment of Pulpourri Theater, starring the Narada Radio Company. When we left off, Dr. Kellen and his lovely daughter Helen had just arrived at Dr. Cardell's mountain home for what they thought was surgery on Helen's damaged leg. But after Helen was put under anesthesia, Cardell seized Kellen and forced him to breathe in the ether as well. Dr. Kellen is just now recovering from his enforced slumber, and we are direct parties to his waking perceptions. see you back with us, Doctor. Great heavens, Carlos! What are you doing to us? And what is that costume you're wearing? These black garments, they represent something my Spanish ancestors wore in a long dead century. Do you understand? Spanish? <gasps> the Inquisition? The torturers who followed Torquemada? Carlos, no! Let me out of these ropes, you inhuman bastard! Exactly right, Doctor. Now, as soon as your beautiful daughter has recovered, we can proceed. Proceed? What are you talking about? I refer to the operation, of course. 
Isn't that what we're here for? The operation? You haven't done it yet. Oh, God! Her knee! It hasn't been touched! Good God! You wouldn't do that, Carlos! Even a sadist like you wouldn't do such a thing! <laughs> You're mad! You won't get away with it! You can't! <laughs> I rather fancy I can. Who will be available to testify against me? I presume you informed someone that you are coming up here this afternoon for the purpose of having Helen's patella operated on. Therefore, I shall set Helen's patella with the greatest care. I assure you that I shall do a job that any surgeon in the world would be proud of. Supposing that anyone else would be capable of performing it besides myself, I'm certain that it will attract favorable comment from the medical examiner at the post-mortem. The... The post-mortem? Ah, yes. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, Doctor, but I am quite sure that on the way down the mountain this evening, you and Helen are going to have a most lamentable accident. Your car is going over the cliff just before the last turn, before you reach the valley. And since both of you will be in the car at the time, you will both come, naturally, to a tragic end. However, you will, in reality, have departed this life some minutes before, and in a most entertaining manner, in this very room. I hate to see such a lovely body as Helen's damaged in such a manner, but— Take your filthy hands off her, you pig! <laughs> <sighs> Helen! Hmm. Oh, God, Helen! Father? Father? What? Where? Is it done? Where are you, Father? It's so dark in here. <laughs> Carl? Is that you, Carl? Good Lord, what are you doing in that costume? Your father asked me that same question, my dear, but I doubt whether you would understand. Put it down to a perverted taste for the theatrical, hmm? I am about to indulge myself in a rare pleasure, that of arousing certain emotions which in another man, are gratified with comparative ease, but which, in my case, require rather powerful stimuli. I will say no more, but ask you merely to observe the scalpel I hold in my right hand. The scalpel? But what are you? No, Carl! No! No! Carlos! No! Don't! Stop! You're torturing her, you madman! I'll kill you, you godforsaken bastard! Ah! ah, she has fainted. Too bad. I was quite enjoying it while it lasted. But now, doctor, I shall keep my word and continue working on her patella, and it shall be perfect. Then she shall receive a new plaster cast, and then, Dr. Kelland, well, let's just say I shall continue to keep my word, hmm? <laughs> Got to get out of here. Helen, my poor Helen. He started the operation on her without anesthetic. Oh, God. Why didn't I kill him years ago when I had the chance? Must find a way out of this place. 
But what? This cursed darkness. Anything I might use, I can't see. Wait, what's this on the shelf? I could just make it out. What's Carlos doing? He's not looking at me. He's finishing the plaster cast on Helen. Ah, it's a little bottle of carbolic acid. I could reach it if I had my hands free. If I lean my head over, could I catch it in my mouth? Yes, but not yet. Think, Helen, think. You've got to bring him over to you. But how? Helen, Helen, more beautiful than your namesake of Troy. You lie before me and show me your desirable flesh. So very soft. So very supple you are, my darling. It's a pity such beauty must be destroyed. Soon I shall have to open your white skin and let your bright blood flow away. And that will bring me far greater ecstasy than the kisses you denied me. But first, you shall give me something else. Whether you desire it or not, it does not matter. But perhaps, before it is over, you will desire it. For God's sake, man! If you are foul enough to go through with this thing, at least have the decency to kill me first! Well now, Doctor, that was really not a part of my plans. But you do give me an idea. Both you and Helen are going to die of wounds which will appear to have been made by the flying fragments of your car's windshield. I believe the wounds will be abdominal, and I rather think you will take quite a long time in dying, hmm? So, I think I shall give you your wounds now, so that your attention will be somewhat diverted from what I shall be doing to your daughter in a few minutes. An interesting substitute for the coup de grace, is it not? Come on, then, you evil, twisted, motherless swine! Do your worst! Doctor, what are you doing with that carbolic acid? No, you shall not rob me of your death by committing suicide. Take this! Ah! Ah, my eyes! My eyes! Oh, God. I'm blind. I'm blind. me to locate you. I'm afraid I won't be able to do as neat a job on you as I had planned, but it will be just as effective, and I will enjoy it even more. <laughs> there you are. Uh, take that, doctor, and that. Uh, uh, uh. Take this, Carlos! 
He's knocked out. He hit his head against the corner of that cabinet. If I can just get the rest of me free. Uh, there. Oh, my mouth. I need treatment, but I must get Helen out of here. Cut her bonds with this scalpel and then carry her out to the car. And then I'll do what I should have done 25 years ago. You're listening to the Narada Radio Company's Pulpourri Theater presentation of Henry Treat Sperry's thrilling tale, Monster of His Making. We'll be back with the conclusion of our play in just a moment. Coming soon to the Turnbuckle Television Cartel, an all-new adventure series, Lieutenant Sturdley of the Antarctic. Starring John Bland as Lieutenant Roscoe Sturdley and Peg Whitebread as his faithful sweetheart Rhonda, it's sure to thrill grown-ups and kiddies alike as Roscoe and Rhonda fight their never-ending battle against frostbite and polar bears at the frigid South Pole. My, but it's cold today, Rhonda, isn't it? Yes. Did it feel this cold yesterday? Yes. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll wish you'd change the channel when the Turnbuckle Television Cartel presents Lieutenant Sturdley of the Antarctic, coming soon to TTC. Welcome back to Monster of His Making, tonight's installment of Pulpourri Theater starring the Narada Radio Company. A few weeks have passed since Dr. Kellen and his daughter Helen escaped from the mountain home of his deadly enemy, Dr. Carl Cardell. We take up our story again in the living room of the home Kellen and his daughter share in Manhattan. Father, look at me. The cast is off, and the doctors say I'm as good as new. Oh, I'm so happy. Thank you, Papa. I owe it all to you. I'm so happy for you, sweetheart. And there's only the tiniest of scars. It looks more like a dimple. Helen is well now. That's all that matters, isn't it? The story I told her, the same story I told to the state police. Well, it wasn't the entire story, of course. After I got her out of the house and to the car, I covered her with a blanket and staggered back inside. I found Carlos Del Cayo where I had left him, crumpled on the floor and just starting to recover. I stared down at him, and he seemed to sense my presence. He turned his burned face up to me, stared at me with those black, sightless eyes, and laughed. My mouth, badly burned from the acid, and my arms and legs, racked with pain from a dozen stab wounds, were forgotten in that moment. 
hatred and loathing for this evil monster were all I could feel. I needed to do one last thing before I sought treatment for my daughter and myself, five miles down the mountain at the state hospital. I picked up a scalpel and stabbed it into the chest of Carlos del Cayo, deep into the cavity that had no heart. Helen and her father both experienced a full recovery from their injuries. Dr. Kellen, in fact, spent the remainder of his life doing good works in medicine, saving lives and relieving the suffering of others. He lived long enough to see Helen married to a good man and make him a grandfather many times over. He passed on after a happy life with only one regret, that he had allowed the boy without a heart to become a man. You have been listening to Monster of His Making, the sixth program of the Pulpourri Theater Series, starring the Narada Radio Company. Featured in the cast were, in order of appearance, Jerry Elliff as Dr. Ronnie Eccles, Dana Gonzalez as Dr. James Kellen, Nancy Gogler as Dr. Kellen's nurse, Nancy Bueller as the receptionist, Michelle Cotter as Dr. Cardell's nurse, Phil Boyd Stedge as Dr. Carl Cardell and Adriana Fontanez as Helen Kellen. Your announcer was Lisa Ayala. Monster of His Making was originally published as a short story by Henry Treat Sperry and appeared in the April 1938 issue of Dime Mystery Magazine. It was adapted by Pete Lutz, who also directed and produced this program. Tune in again next time for another thrilling episode of Pulpourri Theater. The preceding production was sourced from materials in the public domain except where indicated. The audio play script and the production itself are original works and are the property of their creators and thus protected by copyright. This production was pre-recorded and mixed at 63 Audio, Corpus Christi, Texas. Remember, Pulpourri Theater is your source for the best in audio drama. This has been a 63 Audio production. Sixty three audio. Buongiorno. I am Flaudio, and I am very interested in what makes audio drama work. I want to share with you my recipe for a perfect evening. An evening for two lovers. Lovers of audio drama. When I plan an audio drama, I want to make sure that everything is perfect for us. The soundscape is the most important thing to set the mood for the night. When I lay in a special ambiance or sound effect, 
it is very important because it can express what I feel so perfectly. A sound effect can speak for the story when words just cannot capture the love I feel. Love I feel for you. When it is dark, I turn on the sound effects. I turn up the soundscape. And the voices can then dance in a perfect state of bliss, where there is no world except the one we make with our love. No time except what is needed for our story to play out. A story that we will make come true. This audio drama public service announcement was brought to you by the Amigos.